You know, today we uh, celebrate Palm Sunday, maybe more accurately, the triumphal entry of Christ into Jerusalem the week before he was defied. And so what is the significance of this, what we call Palm Sunday? You know, really one of the most significant parts of this was as Jesus readily participated, riding on the donkey, accepting the praise of men, and accepting the people's public praise that he was indeed the Messiah, the Son of David, the Son of God. You know, all throughout his ministry, he tended to, um, I don't know if the right word is to hide his true identity, but he sure did not bring that forth and in fact, a couple of verses in Matthew 16, 20, uh, where his disciples, uh, I think it was, uh, if I remember right, John or Peter, made, Peter made the declaration that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. It says, he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. And in Mark chapter 3, 11, and 12, as he was ministering, uh, whenever the unclean spirits or the demons saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God, and he strictly ordered them not to make him known. And yet at this point, a few days before he was going to be crucified, he accepted the praise and the acknowledgement of the majority of the, of the multitudes that he was indeed the Messiah. And so as I was preparing for this message, actually for probably uh, several months even, and wondering, what do you say on a, you know, on a Easter or a Christmas or a, you know, do you just repeat kind of the, the main message? And like we heard, uh, we were in a minister's meeting, one of the guys said, you know, repetition is sometimes good, we need it. But as I was studying, I just kept being drawn to Jesus' teaching from the point of riding that donkey into Jerusalem, accepting the title of Messiah, of David's son, of King of the Jews, up to the point where he celebrated the Last Supper with his disciples. There's a vast amount of teaching that he taught, and I kept being drawn to that. And so, uh, you know, one of the one of the number rules to preaching is don't cover too much material. And so this morning I'd like to cover four chapters in Matthew, three in Mark, and two in Luke. <laughs> and actually, I, I did uh, just put a basic outline in your bulletin and and. You know, if the Lord's leading you, I would like you to study those scriptures this week with, with the context that this was Jesus' words after the public declared him Messiah to the point of when he met with his disciples for the Last Supper. So I think there's some significance, not that any part of the Bible is more important than, but I think there's some significance for us today in the words that he taught. And so, 
we will be covering a lot of material, but very lightly. But if there's anything that I want us to take home today, and my message this morning couldn't have been set more perfectly than that video from the bomb shelter in Ukraine. You know, brother in Christ that a month, five weeks ago was living his life with his wife and daughter, was ministering the gospel through sense, telling his wife every day that he loved her and kissing her goodnight, is suddenly living in a bomb shelter. Are you ready? Are you spiritually ready? Are you spiritually watching? Are you spiritually alert? The conclusion of today's message, one of the scriptures is in Luke 21, 34. It says, but watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation, which in living is in careless ease, and drunkenness and cares of this life, that that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth, but stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that, you are, go- that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. This morning, are you spiritually watchful? Are you spiritually awake? Are you praying to have strength? I would like to ask you have yourself the questions, where am I being deceived? Where am I spiritually dull and spiritually blind, distracted, unresponsive and asleep? Jesus had three basic groups that he taught in that last week. One was the teaching in the temple where he was speaking to the Jews and to the Pharisees. One was on the Mount of Olives, known as the Olivet Discourse, to his disciples and to his followers. And one kind of takes a... Matthew, Mark, and Luke kind of parallel each other, and then John kind of takes a a different uh, lesson, and he talks about some of the Greeks that were in Jerusalem at the Passover, so they were at least either interested in the Jewish uh, teachings or they had converted to Judaism, and, and they were seeking Jesus. So I think... His message to the Jews and to those of his followers really parallel. And the basic thing is the Jews were asleep. They were the ones that had the scriptures. They were the ones that were looking for the Messiah. Jesus had come in, they had declared him Messiah. Jesus came in and he cleansed the temple and then his authorities was questions and then he replied with three parables and 
parables, and this is found in Matthew chapter 21 starts. We won't read them this morning. The parables of the two sons, the one, the, the, the dad, the father came and said, son, will you do such and son said, I will do it. And I said, no, nope, that's not for me, dad. And as time went on, the son that said, yeah, I'm going to do it, he ended up getting distracted, delayed, and fell asleep and never got it done. And the son who said, no, I won't do it, ended up, woke up, and realized he needed to do it. Then there was the master who planted a vineyard and went on a journey, and he, he put the, the, his vineyard in charge of uh, some, some tenants. And as he went on the journey, he sent back some to, to collect the, his share of the, the, the profit from the vineyard. And the, the tenants ran him out and, and misabused them. And, and finally said, the master sent his son. And the tenant said, hey, if we kill this guy, we're the heirs. We'll get the vineyard. And they killed the son. And the third parable is the king prepared a wedding feast for his son. And so he invited all his friends and those that knew him and that he knew. And all of them had excuses and refused to attend. So he went out into the highways and byways and invited those to the wedding feast and gave them clothes to wear. But when he saw that there was one person that didn't put on the clothes, that person was cast out. And so there would be a lot of lessons in these parables. But the main message, I think, that we want to look at this morning is God's chosen people. The one that had the scriptures, the one that had the teachings, missed the Messiah. They were distracted, they were misinformed, they were asleep. And as Jesus is doing this teaching, the Pharisees are getting angrier and angrier and plotting to get rid of Jesus. And so they came up with a plan. We got this perfect plan. Since Jesus was declared the Messiah by the multitudes, the whole idea of, of this Messiah was to set up an earthly kingdom and renew the kingdom of David so that the Jewish people would have their, their own government. So they would, he would overthrow Rome and, and set up this kingdom. And so they said, we got this, this deal. We can trap him. We can ask him if it's right to pay taxes to Caesar because if he says, if he sides with Rome, then he obviously isn't the Messiah. The people will turn against him and realize that he's false and fake. If he says no, goes against Rome and we'll do our own thing, we'll give, we'll establish our own rule of law, 
Then the Romans will take care of him. And so they came to Jesus and asked him the question, should they pay taxes to Caesar? And Jesus, in perfect wisdom, says, let me see some money. Whose image is it that these men were using every day to buy and sell? And Jesus simply said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Jesus is not about earthly kingdom. He will be someday. Someday he will establish rule on this earth. But at this point in time, Jesus was about saving lost souls. He was about setting up kingdoms in men's hearts, awakening them spiritually to have a relationship with him and with the Father, to live a life for the kingdom of God. Just kind of a side note this morning, not really part of messages, we see a lot of dissension, discussion of how we as believers need to interact with the government. And we do live in a unique situation as far as all of historically goes that we're actually can participate in our government freely. We can have the freedom of speech to criticize. But let's remember Jesus' purpose and our purpose is, is to save life, lost souls. And so as we, as we participate in our society today, let's never lose sight of that, that that's our, our purpose. And as Jesus sent out his disciples into the world, he told them, he gave them the command in Matthew 10, 16 to be, as he sent them to as sheep among wolves, he said to be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Let's remember our purpose. Jesus, after these parables, he goes on what we call woe to the Pharisees. He, he, he just doesn't mince any words as he's talking to the Pharisees. But right before he comes out with this woe to the Pharisees, it, uh, Matthew twenty two thirty four says, And when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor self. On these two commandments depend all the law, and the prophets. And I think if you're at all familiar with the Bible, you know that the Pharisees, who thought they were the utmost, had the law all figured out, basically missed that part. 
It was all about the outward. And the woe to the Pharisees is, as Jesus is, is, is speaking to them. Matthew 23, 25. To you, scribes and Pharisees, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, then the outside also may be clean. So what was the Pharisees' sin? They knew the scriptures. They knew them by heart. They should have had the picture. They had the law. They had Psalms. They had the prophets. They had... They had the words of Isaiah, the words of King David. How did they miss the love part of it? The leaven of the Pharisees were warned about. What is the leaven of the Pharisees? The leaven of the Pharisees was these guys took Scripture and truth and built it out of proportion, ignoring the other, and built their own God. They defined their own God. They formed their own God that it was all about the out. And because of that, they could justify themselves and they could criticize others. In fact, they missed the very Son of God. Are we prone to that today? I would share it with you, if you don't think you're susceptible to the leaven of the Pharisees, you may already be consumed by it. One of my constant prayers in my life is, Lord, show me my blind spots. Show me where I'm missing it. Show me where I lack understanding and I think I have it figured out. And I look down on others because they don't have it like I do. In fact, I think that is the essence of Jesus' message. Because the Jews had missed it. They had the scriptures they had the teaching, they had the heritage, and they missed it. In fact, Jesus uses a in Luke 21. As right as he's doing all this teaching and and, and all at once he says, Look over there. See that that little old lady? Nobody even noticed her. Nobody thought anything about her. She's the one that has it together. You see that? She put everything in. Everything of value that she had, she gave to the Lord. And you didn't even see her. 
And then as they moved to the Mount of Olives and his disciples, Jesus talks about what is to come. He talked about the, the, the temple being destroyed. And, and they come and ask him, what, what is this? So I'd like to read Matthew 24, starting with verse 3. And as we read this, and this is what is to come, the disciples are asking him. Notice in verse 6, it says, but the end is not yet. So Jesus spent a lot here in this, and we're not going to read it all this morning, but some of it took place within 70 years. When the temple was destroyed, the, the, there was a, they destroyed, desecrated the temple and it was destroyed and some of it is yet to come in the end times I'm not sure if I have all the uh, coal up in Revelations that the ages the different terminologies he used but then when Jesus comes back to establish his earthly kingdom that is to come but it's for us today Verse 3, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. See that we are not led astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And they will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of things. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation, put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Let no one lead you astray. For there will be wars and rumors. Nation will rise against nation. Man-made calamities. Man-made horrible things. And we see it today. We've seen it. Some of you go back to World War II. Vietnam, we've lived it, wars and rumors of wars. Verse 7, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Luke uses the word pestilences, which the living uses the word epidemics, natural calamity. We live in a broken world. We live in a world that man rebelled against his creator. But in God's love for us, 
that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet in rebellion, Christ died for us. And so whether we're in a bomb shelter in Ukraine, we're in a COVID unit in the hospital, or whether things are going really good, Christ died for us. And his kingdom can be in our hearts. And then we have some really tough, some really tough words of Jesus. He starts out, he gives some more parables. One is the ten virgins. Bride, a troth to their bridegroom. Many years ago, Steve preached on the, the Jewish weddings of that time, of that, and we see it in Mary and Joseph, where Joseph and Mary were. Mary was betrothed to be married to Joseph. It was a legal binding. They were married, but they were not together yet. And then the bridegroom Joseph would come and take Mary to be his wife and live with him. There's a little disruption there that Mary was pregnant. It wasn't Joseph's son. It was God's son. And these ten virgins that were betrothed to be married, waiting for the bridegroom to come, and five of them were prepared and five of them weren't. Five went to live with their bridegroom and five didn't. Then the talents. Three, the master gave three men, three of their, his servants their ta- the talents. Two of them invested their talents for the kingdom. And one didn't. And that one was cast out. And then the sheep and the goats. You can read it in Matthew 25. The sheep and the goats were gathered. And the sheep were, were accepted in the kingdom and the goats were cast out. And what was the difference? It was those that did and those that didn't. Those that did for the kingdom and those that didn't. Some of you this morning that somehow think you're going to make it and are okay. And you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. There are those that were ready, and there's those that weren't. There are those that were awake, and those that are asleep. Mark 13, 33. Be on guard, keep awake. 
for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all. Stay awake. In John chapter 12, when the Greeks were coming to him and the Gentiles were coming to him to question him, it says, But Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a seed. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life will lose it, but whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, my servant will be as well. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Are you asleep? Are you awake? Are you prepared? Are you not? Let's pray. Jesus, as we prepare for this and look forward to Good Friday when we remember your death, that while we were still sinners, you died for us. And as we celebrate Sunday, your resurrection, conquering sin and death, that we could all live in victory in you with your righteousness. Lord, the question is, are we awake or are we asleep? Are we prepared or are we not? Lord, I, my prayer is that each one of us sitting in this room this morning are prepared to meet you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.